Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> I'm happy to be here with you today. My name is Father Rusty Hughes. I'm from a Lake of Fishes called Sacred Heart at the Shrine of Blessed Stanley Rother. Everybody just call it the Shrine. It's a very, very glorious place to be in. <clears throat> and my, my journey to the priesthood was a little bit different, I think, than most people's because I wasn't Catholic growing up. I grew up a, a Methodist. <clears throat> grew up in a very a small family, just myself and my parents. I was the only child. My parents had me late in life. It was a really good life. Now, sometimes you don't realize how good you'd have it until later on in life. And after I became a priest and listened to the stories, I, I thought my childhood was normal. I mean, everybody had parents that loved them, and you know, that you went to church on Sunday and, and uh, you prayed together. I, I thought that was normal life. I didn't realize that they were different. <laughs> so I, I was really blessed to have some really loving parents. But they died young. They died, my dad died at 63 of a heart attack while I was dying. And my mother died at, uh, she was 45 in, uh, with the cancer of the liver when I was 15. So that's when my world kind of got changed. My little secure world, all of a sudden, it was very, very different. And now I, my question is, where, where was God? I mean, we never, we went to church twice on Sunday and on Wednesday. <laughs> that was what Christ just did. I, then we went to anything else that was there. My dad taught the adult Bible study. My mom taught children, right? what we would call catechism in the Catholic church, but they called it Sunday school. So I came from a very family, very involved in church, a very important part of our life. We prayed every night, you know, we read the Bible. But then when that, everything got shaken up, <clears throat> my faith really just went down. I just didn't know where, where was God at. And I, I mean, I tried to go back to the Methodist church, but we'd sit in the same seat for my whole life <laughs> over there. I, I couldn't go there. I just, I'd see that spot and just, I, I couldn't go there anymore. And it's kind of led me on a journey away from God, unfortunately. And then I had the good fortune of getting a golf scholarship to a West Texas State. When I, <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> so, um, You're speaking his language. <laughs> and I think one of the reasons I chose that place, I liked it because it was in the Missouri Valley Conference. That was a good conference to have more competitive golf. But I thought I could get away from my problem. You know, kind of like Jonah, I, mean, I was kind of running. If I get over there, maybe it won't be there when I get there. But, you know, you can't run from your problems. I got over there, and it was wonderful playing golf, college golf and, you know, being a college student. But I didn't know anybody when I got there. And I'm kind of a shy person. Luckily, you know, golf's a game that kind of brings people together. So I made friends among the team. But unfortunately, their, their practices weren't mine. They liked to party. I never even drank a beer my whole life. <laughs> Until that point, I'm 18 years old, never drinking a beer. I was very, very innocent. Unfortunately, I got exposed to the world, and really fell away, you know, from that kind of lifestyle. And I thought, well, it's going to be glorious, this lifestyle is. But it was so empty. It was so empty. There's just not much in that lifestyle. But it's hard to get out. That was the thing. I went through all four years, and I said, when I leave, I'm, I'm going to get out of this one. Once I leave college, and it still didn't get out. Still kind of going to those party scene things, but still finding emptiness. You know, I was working in the golf business at Trusper Park. Still played a lot of amateur golf around, competitive golf. I remember one time I had too much to drink and blew a, uh, the lead of a golf tournament. There was a man I really respect named Ted, and he says, what are you doing with your life? He goes, get back in church and get yourself together. Don't be hanging out with these guys. He goes, you're just wasting your time. And it really, it really hit me. I said, yeah, he's right. But my question was, how do you come back when you're so far gone in the shame and all the guilt from the mistakes you made? I met another friend, and he was also a golfing buddy. He goes, let's go to church. 
Because I heard this, there's this church in Dale City that's called a, what's it called? A, I can't remember. It's a Baptist church in, in Dale City on Sooner Road. And so, I, he goes, there's a lot of young people there our age. You know, I think it's going to be a good place for us. And so we went that night. I remember that when the pastor was saying some prayer, I don't remember what he said, but it was like Jesus was standing right in front of me. I said, Lord, I don't want to ever live that way again. Set me free. I felt this incredible peace in my heart. And I was transformed. I can't explain it, but I never went back to that lifestyle. I was 25, 25 then. And I, now it's just this hunger for God. I didn't even have a Bible anymore. The next day I went straight to Mardell's and bought a Bible and started reading and praying. And like my back home, used to do my young days, going to church every chance I got as a Protestant. Twice on Sunday, on Wednesday, you know, Bible studies. But then I, I started really studying the Bible. And it wasn't answering up. You know, as a Protestant, they don't really have the fullness of truth. They have a lot of good things, but not the fullness of truth. And a lot of questions in, in there. A lot of different interpretations. I'm going to try in some other churches, and the pastor would say this over there. And it, it, was, it was called First Southern, Southern Baptist over there in Dell City. It was all these different things. But I had a really good friend named Scott Adams, who was a priest for a time, but unfortunately left. But very, very devout Catholic, very devout man of God. And he started to say, well, why don't you look at the Catholic faith? I said, well, I don't know anything about the Catholic faith. He goes, well, he goes, it's the fullness of truth. I thought, like, oh, it can't be. It can't be the fullness of truth. Well, he said, what do you think about John chapter 6? I was embarrassed. I didn't even know what it was. I said, well, I don't know. He said, why don't you read that tonight? We'll talk tomorrow. So I read it that night. And I'd read it before, I remembered it when I read it, but I said, I think he really means that. Because I know he said it four times, this is my body, this is my blood. And we always had the, you know, the, uh, the symbolism of the Methodist church, we had a little wafer and the, and the grape juice, but again, it was just a symbol, that's what they said, it's just a symbol. But you know, he said that, he was very clear. And I got to think, well, that's true, that's where I need to be in that church. And so I started talking more, and we started dialoguing more and more with Scott and I did. Every day at work, or on the golf course, we're, we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about the church, talking about the life of God. And it was really building me up. And finally he said, Yo, why don't you go come to RCIA and just see what you think about this, the Catholic Church. I said, well, okay, I'll go. And I had a very different experience, though. Well, I went to pick up Scott. His car was broken, so I went by his house to pick him up. When I went to his house, I smelled this uh, smell of roses. I thought it was his mom's perfume. And so I just kind of, you know, dismissed it. Then we went to the, uh, the meeting room for the uh, RCIA, and I smelled it again. I'm like, Scott, it's got to be the perfume. I, I even asked Scott, I said, do you smell that smell? He goes, what's that? I said, it smells like a ro beautiful smell of roses. He goes, well, that's the Virgin Mary. I'm like, oh. No, I didn't know anything about Mary. I mean, I knew she was the mother of Jesus, but as Protestants, you don't, you don't talk about Mary, unfortunately. I mean, then when I got in the car again, it was there. I said, okay, God, there's something you want to tell me about. I think it's the Virgin Mary. It's something good. And so I started looking more into Mary. And I had such a great, great relationship with my mother, it was real easy just to fall right in with her. Because I totally trusted my mother. And so you, I totally trusted Mary. I started praying the rosary. I remember how hard it was at first because I, I didn't have the prayers memorized. It took me 45 minutes to just say five mysteries. And I was exhausted after that. I was like, oh my goodness, this is hard. I had to get in shape for this. 
But then, you know, eventually start learning the prayers and it, it was a beautiful thing. And then I went to my first mass. It was on, uh, it was on a Saturday night. It was actually the feast of uh, St. Therese the Little Fire, but it was the Saturday night vigil. And we went to St. Andrew's and board. And Scott didn't explain anything to me. Well, if you know Scott, that's kind of what he is. He just, he forgets sometimes about the details. And so we went there and I didn't know about the up, down, up, down. And I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Because you know, prize, you just sit down, <laughs> and at the very end you stand, <laughs> and you go. But there, there was something straight sacred, though. You know, you go into Catholic church, and people are kneeled down praying. I said, you know what? There's something special here. I can't figure it out, but there's something special here, especially in that mass. I mean, you know, I didn't understand it, but I knew there was something sacred. And when the priest lifted up the host and the chalice, said, there's something very sacred here. I don't know what it is, but it's very sacred. So I wanted to go back. You know, eventually I started going to daily mass with him. I wasn't even Catholic, but I loved it. We'd go to St. Anthony Hospital. At that time, uh, Father John Walsh was there. You know, Father, a very interesting character, Father Walsh. But he was really a big part of my conversion as well. Him and Father George Pupius, who was the pastor of St. Andrews. Another really big part of my life. Uh, just, you know, man of strong faith. And, you know, Father Pupius was very much, uh, you see, he's an outdoorsman. I thought that was really kind of attractive to me because, I was an outdoorsman. You know, I love sports, love golf. So I think, well, you know, you could be a, a man of God and still love these different things. And so it was a, a beautiful, beautiful experience. And then, of course, we're getting close, uh, you know, to the to Easter time. And it was so exciting you know, to, to re receive the Easter sacraments. I'd been baptized just before that, October uh, 23rd, at the Baptist church, because somebody missed it, because, uh, you know, we don't, uh, prices don't baptize children. And so, you know, I missed it with my, my, I was supposed to do it the teenage years, but then my mom died, so I missed, I didn't get baptized. And I didn't really didn't pay attention to that till then. They asked me, I said, I don't know. And then I went, at the, so I, I was at the Baptist church, they, they want you right away, they want you to be baptized. And, you know, that was also a powerful experience. And it really got me to thinking more about God. And the next day, I cut my hair. I had long hair. <laughs> you wouldn't imagine. But I had it for van vanity. I was just for vanity. I said, God, I need to cut this. It's not appropriate to be a Christian and look this way. You know, Jesus did, but that's why his time was. And my dad would have rode over his grave. He saw me with long hair. He, would, he hated long hair. Because <laughs> I, you know, I grew up in the 70s during the, the hippies. And I, he goes, you're not going to be a hippie. <laughs> you know, get your hair cut. And uh, so I got my hair cut. And, but... More than that, got changed, so it was wanting to be a Christian. Wanting to be a Christian. Wanting to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And this hunger, you know, to, to grow closer to Him. But I was finally getting into the Catholic Church. The Mass was just incredible. Then the rosaries. I love to go to rosary groups. Different prayer meetings throughout the, the diocese. And I just couldn't get enough. Books. Started reading all the books I'd get my hands on. I was at St. Thomas More every week. And it was over there on 44th and... Uh, Pin at that time, that old bronze. So Joe and Vicki Wilbanks owned that, and they went to St. Andrews. And so I'd, every way I was looking for you know, different books, and reading books, borrowing books, just trying to find more out about the Catholic faith. And the saints came in. I, I loved the saints. They were so inspiring. And they gave me hope, because especially I read St. Augustus. I said, well, he messed up too, but look, he's a great saint. What he did for the church is incredible. And this guy was so smart. And he told you, you know, it's inspiration after inspiration with, with these, these things. 
in the Easter Vigil, it, it, is, it was incredible. You know, the Holy Thursday night was, was really, really powerful. Good Friday, incredible. And of course, the Easter Vigil, when you get all your sacraments. So they're super powerful nights. And again, I felt you know, I was changed to get even deeper, you know, wanting to be holy now, wanting to holiness. You know, coming to going, still going to Mass every day. And then I got introduced to the Holy Hour. You know, I didn't know about adoration until then. And my friend Scott again invited me to the, the Little Flower. And it was in the old church, the beautiful church that they have there. Again, I was struck by beauty. I said, this place is so beautiful. And then when he was, Jesus was on the altar, I said, that's truly God. And I, was, I got on my knees, and it's incredible. Also, now I want that all the time. I started making the holy hour. Everywhere I could find one, just going to a chapel and praying for an hour every day. It's just the hunger is there. And I'm thinking about now even being a priest. But I'm thinking, how can I be a priest? It's, my past was not good. Was not good. I'm a shy person. How can a shy person be a priest? But you know, the Holy Spirit just slowly kept working. It kept being more and more attractive to me, the priesthood did. And then after uh, I came to the church, I made Curseal, Curseal number 31 in Enid, Oklahoma. And I met Ray there. We, we lived it together. <laughs> and it was a powerful experience, you know. Again, I just really felt strengthened. And I met a lot of, a lot of young men, godly men there. And I really thought, I think I could do this priesthood thing. I think, yes, you know, Curseal really supported me in that. I loved the old as we come together. I had a great small group I met with. Uh, well, actually, three of us got ordained. Scott Adams became a priest for a while. Jeff Willard became a deacon. And myself were in that group. It was, it was a great group. I looked forward every week to seeing them and you know, praying with them and sharing our faith together. That really helped a lot. I realized the importance of support group. You need support in life. I've always been a, a, the loner. You know, golf, you can be a loner in golf. I just put my whole life into golf and I was away from God for all those years. And that's kind of how I, I, I survived, just, you know, keep my attention on that. But now I realize, turn it to Jesus. You know, put your attention there. But you need to, to be with others. You know, Catholic Church teaches that, you know, we're a community. And it's such a powerful thing, you know, to have a church community. So that small group was awesome. The old tray was awesome. And so was St. Andrews at that time. We had this dynamic group. People were just on fire for the Lord. I couldn't wait to every Sunday Mass. I mean, it was always exciting. People were singing and participating. Afterwards, we'd go talk about our faith in the parish hall. It was just wonderful. And God really blessed me. I mean, just to give me a, a parish, that, that on fire. It was so, such an incredible experience. I didn't realize how good it was to kind of moved away. And you see what? Well, not everything's quite as perfect as, as it was there. And like, it was God's grace. I mean, God could do that in any parish. And then uh, about a month later, I got a chance to go to Medjugorje, Yugoslavia, where Mary had been appearing to you know, those six children there. And that was another incredibly powerful experience. Now, I got to see the Universal Church. You know, there's people from all around the world there. And they had a, a mass at a different hour all day long. And so I went to the Italian Mass, I went to different Masses just to see what it was like. Well, I realized it, it's the same Mass. Yeah, the language was different, but it was just, I, I could follow it very easily, my little missile. I thought, wow, this, the oneness of this. We can't talk to each other, but we know we believe the same thing. We all knelt down together. I said, this is an incredible thing, this worldwide church. See, this had to be what God had planned. Then the confession, these lines for confessions were just amazing. And I really started seeing the power of confession. You'd hear the testimonies that 
people would go to confession and you know, come back to God like I did years away. And just find this great peace in God and mercy and mercy, which I've learned later as a priest. You know, one of the most important things we do as ministers of mercy. People need mercy. And I think that's one of the things you know, when you fall very deeply, you learn about mercy. You, you become a lot more merciful. When people come into a confessional and they're away, away from God, it's very easy for you to relate with them because I was there before. And I think uh, it helps me kind of talk to them that there is hope. You can change. And you can change. Because some people say, could I ever change, Father? And so I said, I felt the same way. Yeah, you can. You can. By the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. It can really transform your life. When that moved me towards seminary, and I was trying to discern it, that religious life or the, the, the diocesan life. And I, was kind of, I, I started off the religious life. There was this priest I met, he came to St. Andrews for a mission, Father Luke Zimmer. And he was trying to start a new community called the, the, uh, the Sacred Hearts of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And he already got the women part started, and he was wanting to get the men's. And so I went and joined him and uh, 11 other guys out in uh, Fillmore, California, which is in Southern California. And also Joe R., Father Joe Arnold's win, and Father Scott Adams win as well from Oklahoma. And so we were going to join this group. And I think that my attraction was just the excitement. The charism was going to be doing missions, parish missions. That just brought me a lot of excitement. And so we started there, and it, it was a great time because Father Luke was a very holy man. And it was a really great, great experience to see a, a saintly person. And that, but how normal he was. He liked to watch football. You know, he liked regular things like regular people, but he only you know, had a great prayer life. He had joy, incredible joy that I wanted. I said, I want that joy like Father's got. You know, and, uh, he touched so many people's lives with his very simple preaching. He just would teach the gospel. He was very patient. People would come. He wrote letters all day long. In fact, he had an indenture in his hand and write with the pens before you the computer age. He wrote letters all day long to people, helping them with their problems. So he was a great inspiration to me. But then we, we joined the seminary in the Los Angeles Seminary at St. John's. And there's like, kind of a little conflict. Los Angeles was a little bit more liberal, we'll say, than Father Luke was. And it, uh, they did, well, they invited us in, but then they, they wanted us to become diocesan priests. In fact, Cardamone said, I don't think, Father, you should start this group. I want you guys to be priests here. And so we gave it, uh, I tried it for two years. I said, well, if I'm going to be this, I need to go back home. And my spiritual director said the same thing. He said, go back to Oklahoma City. So I went back that, at Christmas break. I talked with Archbishop Beltran. He said, well, come on in. He goes, you can come in. You're already there. I'm just going to leave you out there. The only thing I want you to do is learn Spanish, which I did, which was going to be a big part of my ministry you know, right now. And so I went back and finished out there. It was a great experience. I loved seminary. A lot of guys said, oh, it's horrible. I had a good time. You know, I made a lot of friends. I mean, you can't beat the weather in Camarillo, California. It was it never gets above 80, never below 60. It's just perfect all year round. So it was a wonderful place to be, be able to play golf, go for a run. You know, it, it was just wonderful. And it was an international seminary. I made friends from my class with guys from Vietnam, Africa, different places in Asia. I mean, it's all around the world, Mexico, Guatemala. It was just a wonderful experience to learn the big church. And I made a lot of friends with other guys from other cultures. And, it's really enriched my life, uh, seeing these you know, different cultures and these different ways way they express themselves. 
And then ordination came. I remember we got ordained deacon uh, at, at the seminary. And that was such a powerful experience. Very, very emotional. Because you know, the, the night before, I kind of talk, thought about all the stuff from the past. And it's like, man, God's taken me a long ways. I can't imagine I'm, I'm right at this point. And then you start kind of feeling your unworthiness. I'm like, why can't I be a deacon? You know, well, I've been, that old thought, you know, I've been so unholy. The devil's like, Yo, you're so unworthy. And yeah, I am. But God calls the, the, the unworthy. You know, who was worthy among the 12? None of them. They all abandoned him. Judas betrayed him. Peter betrayed him. But, you know, so, you know, he calls the broken. He calls the broken. And he quips them. He quips them. And that's why I realized, you know, he's going to take me in my brokenness, and he's going to use that brokenness. He's going to help me to be a touch other hearts with that brokenness. So it was an incredibly powerful experience. And just briefly, another thing I started doing when I was out there was youth retreats. This, is this passion I started when I got out there. I just loved giving youth retreats. It really taught me how to preach. Because you can't read notes to youth, you'll be bored. So I realized you've got, you got to speak to them. And learned me how to kind of form my thoughts, which later that's how it was how my uh, teacher, Father Miller, he wouldn't let us use notes. He says, I don't need the, another reading in the Mass. He says, speak to them from the heart. And he had this box method that we used, kind of went from one here to here to here, but you, it was all here. And that's kind of what I've been doing anyway with the youth. God had kind of taught me just by giving youth talks how to use that box method. I just get my, in my mind where I wanted to go. But Father Miller always says, leave a little room for the Holy Spirit, because he might want to change some things. And he's so right. You know, sometimes you'll say, why did I say that for? And somebody said, Father, you said this today that really touched me. I think, I didn't know why I even said that. <laughs> it wasn't my plan. <laughs> it was kind of a mess up. I thought it messed up. You know, but, you know God is so all-powerful. He takes us in our weakness, our brokenness, and he still uses us. That's, that's the amazing thing. And I feel like that's what my life shows. Because I was always the shy one. You know, always one you didn't see in the class. Because you always just kind of stood back because I was so shy. And it felt unworthy of my brokenness. I thought I was the only one broken in school. I remember. But I found out everybody was just good actors. We were all broken. But some kids are better actors than others. And I wasn't. I knew I was broken. And I didn't know what to do about it. Because nobody ever told me that you could go to Jesus. And nobody invited me in high school. I guess because I thought I went to church all the time that I was already there which I wasn't. My parents were, but I never got to their, their level. And so, again, God used all those little parts. I used to use that testimony a lot about my brokenness in, in youth retreats. And I was amazed how it really touched a lot of kids. And I realized that we all kind of, we're all kind of in the same boat together. We cover maybe different areas, but we're in the same boat. And it, but we're looking for this one healer, Jesus Christ, who can heal our souls and give us peace. And that's what, you know, then you got ordained priest. That's been the, you know, the great gift. You have the sacraments. And they're so incredibly powerful. They're so incredible, especially confession. You know, hearing lots of confessions now at the, at the shrine. It's, you know, every week, every weekend. And one thing we're seeing is that there's so many people coming back 20 years out of the church, 30 years out. One was 40 the other day. They go to the shrine and they just get touched. One lady said, I just came because my friend wanted to say, Come see this pretty church. And she said, I walked in it. It was so incredibly filled with the presence of God. And then all of a sudden she goes, I got to change. I need to come back to church. 
And so it, we say every week, you know, it's such a holy place that the Shrine of Blessed Standing Relative. I think it's going to be one of the great places in the United States for people to come on pilgrimage. And we're so blessed. I'm so blessed to be part of that. You know, to get to see that every week. You know, this glorious church where people are coming back to God. You know, the, the life of Blessed Stanley, the, the ordinary man, is touching many people's lives. It's just an amazing gift. And I'm really fortunate to be part of that. I know it's getting time for Mass, so I'll just end uh, with uh, just, I owe great gratitude to Jesus for, you know, for being a priest, for having his mer mercy on me, finding me in my lost moments, and restoring me, and helping me to be his, his beloved son, and giving me the great gift to be a priest, and get to celebrate the sacraments, and meet many people like you, and you know, the people who are you know, devout Catholics, and we love Jesus Christ the same as I do. So thank you for your time, and I appreciate you inviting me to, to speak today.